If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Acts. That's where we'll be spending majority of our time today in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 9. And if today is your first day with us, you're jumping right in in the middle of a series we've been going through for most of the year this year. We've been uh, kind of looking at the church and the very beginning of, of Acts is all about Jesus and His Holy Spirit coming down. And after the Holy Spirit comes down, He indwells into the people of God and He becomes, uh, I'm not that bad, <laughs> I'm just kidding. And He indwells into the people of God and He lives within their hearts. And after He indwells into the church, you, you have this beautiful formation of something known as the very first church, and we see that in the book of Acts. And so we've been looking at Jesus and His Spirit. We've been looking at Jesus and His church. And today we're going to kind of end this portion of where we have been talking about Jesus and His church. We're going to be moving into the next portion of this, which is talking about Jesus and His mission. So Jesus, as He comes down, He indwells with, through the power of the Holy Spirit. You've got something called the church, and as the church is is being filled by the Spirit each and every single time they gather, they are then sent back out on mission. And so today we're going to close a little bit of that. So if you're in Acts chapter 9 and you're there, say, I'm there. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. You can see it right over there at our Connect table. I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, he went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, meaning Christianity, so if he finds any Christians, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him, they stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. And Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So he's Kind of blinded here. So they led him by the hand, and they brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Would you guys pray with me? Father, as we open your word, we pray that you would feed us from your scriptures, from your word. Lord, show us the power of the Bible. Um, teach us something profound about your grace, about your love. I pray that you would speak to us here this morning. And for the one that's here this morning that feels like they might just be out of reach, that feels like they might be too far to ever possibly come back. God, I pray for even for them that you would speak. You would show them the power and the goodness of your love. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've jumped in. And we've seen already about this conversion of this man named Saul. Now, if you don't know much about Saul, the last time that we saw this man named Saul was just a few chapters earlier. It says that he was there for the stoning of this man named Stephen. Stephen was a deacon. He was a prominent leader inside the church. He was a deacon at the church, and it says that he, he wasn't even a deacon very long 
before some of the religious leaders, they rose up against them and they had this man named Stephen put to death because he believed in Jesus. And as he was put to death for his relationship with, with Christ, it says that all of the people that were stoning this man, they were taking off their coats, getting ready to do this, and they would take their garments and they laid them at the feet of this man named Saul. And that's the very first time that we see this this man named Saul, that he's there at the execution, really. The stoning of a devout man of God. And he's approving. And he's watching over it. He's saying, this is a good thing. And he's actually supporting them and watching the garments so that nobody would steal the clothes as the stoners were doing their jobs. And so this man named Saul, he hates Christianity. Like, he hates Christians. I, I can't implore you, I can't say that enough, that he absolutely hates Christianity, hates what it stands for, hates any Christian. And it says right here, at the very beginning of verse 1, that he's breathing out threats and murder against the disciples. He's so willing to kill Christians and he's so willing to imprison Christians It says that he's on this road to Damascus. Damascus and Jerusalem is about 135 miles apart. So you've got Jerusalem, this is where Saul is, and here's Damascus. And so Saul, he goes before the religious leaders and he says, Hey, I'm on the way to Damascus and I just need some letters, I need some some proof, I need your permission basically that whenever I get to Damascus, if I find any Christians there in Damascus, I need your approval that I can bind them in chains and bring them back to Jerusalem so that we can put them on trial and eventually have them put to death. And it says that he's breathing out threats. You can kind of imagine, like, he's really hostile towards this. He's kind of breathing it in. Like, it's kind of causing him a little bit of anxiety. Like, he's really bothered by what Christians are doing in the world. He's so bothered by it that he's willing to go 135 miles away so that he can find more Christians to throw in jail. He's so bothered by it that he's willing to to get on a horseback, that he's willing to endure, endure the heat, that he's willing to sleep outside for several nights on this journey 135 miles away so that he can grab and capture as many Christians as he can to bring them back to jail. Now, if you can imagine this, and this is going to sound really wild today, if you can imagine this is the equivalent of somebody from ISIS, like a terrorist, like a a, a terrorizer of Christians who preys upon men, women, and children that are of the Christian faith, that literally plan and eat, sleep, and breathe plans to, to murder more Christians. That's exactly what this man named Saul is doing. He is literally the equivalent of a, of a member of ISIS. And it says that he's on this road to this place called Damascus. And while he's on the road, look at verse 3. Verse 3 says that now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. Suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. Like a light that's so blinding that it says that he literally hits the ground. All right, like it's brighter than, like it's not just the sun, okay? Like I, I know how we feel here in this Charleston heat. We feel like we're only just a few miles away from the sun. Like it's that bright and it's that hot. Like it, it feels like that sometimes here. But whatever this light was that hit Paul 
or Saul, I just gave it all away, and they hit Saul, literally sent him to the ground, sent him to his knees. And it says that this light is so piercing, it is a light, not just any light, but it is a light from heaven. It's a light from heaven. And this is actually why we're going to get ready to later on, we're going to, I'll just spoil it for you. This man named Saul, he eventually becomes known as the Apostle Paul. How many of you have ever heard of the Apostle Paul? Well, this is a little bit, if you know much about that word apostle, it's a little bit different because an apostle is someone who literally saw Jesus with their own eyes and they spent time with Jesus. Now, if you're doing the math in your head, Jesus is gone, all right? Jesus has already died on the cross. He's already been resurrected. He's already ascended back to the Father, gone into heaven. And somehow we call this this guy named Saul, who's also known as Paul, we call him the Apostle Paul. Because here in this moment, he has a vision, and it's a vision of Jesus Christ. That light that is so blinding, that light that is so piercing, it's the light from heaven that can only be Jesus. And so that's why we call him the Apostle Paul, because he's witnessed Jesus. He's actually seen him here in this vision. Now, most of us, most of us guys here in the room, especially, like, I know some of you in particular, we want to be known as tough guys, right? If you're a guy in the room, there's about a 90% chance that you want to be known as this masculine guy, this really, really tough guy. Now, there's only been a few things in my life that have actually sent me to my knees. About five or six years, about 10 years ago, right, right around now, 10 years ago, I had my first kidney stone. And I remember, some of you have had a kidney stone. You know what that's like. You're like, oh, brother, I feel you. I feel your pain. I had my first kidney stone when I was probably about 18 years old. And I just remember the first feeling of that. And I, I, I remember waking up, and I remember just looking around, and I was on the floor of the bathroom in the emergency room. Like, that's how bad it was. I just remember, just leave me here. Just leave me to be. I don't ever want to get up. Just kill me, as a matter of fact. Just take me out of my misery. Sir, is there anything that we can do for you? Absolutely. Just kill me. Put me out of it. Like, I'm done. I've never really had anything that sent me to my knees, much like that kidney stone. But here, it says that this light is so bright that it sent him to the ground. This light is so powerful that it sent Saul to the ground. And it says that in verse 4 and 5, that as he's down on the ground, it says that the words come to him. He heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. And that's important because we only see, we only see this about 15 times in the Bible where somebody uses the name twice. Okay, you might see it in, in other places where, where David cries out, Absalom, Absalom, my son, or where, where Jesus says, he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, whatever you emphasize the name twice, it's really, really important. You can go through in all the Bible, you only see this about a handful of times, maybe 15 times or so, and whenever he says it, Saul, Saul, he's really, really trying to get his attention. And he says those words, why are you persecuting me? Has he really persecuted Jesus here? Has Saul ever laid a finger on Jesus Christ himself? But Jesus says, you are persecuting me. And this is important because this is how Jesus Christ identifies with his church and with his people. 
that whenever you were attacking, whenever you were persecuting one of us, one of the church members, whenever you were laying a finger on the church, it's almost as if it's exactly like you're doing it to Jesus himself. And so Jesus stops Paul in the middle of his tracks and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I think this is really important to point out. You see, as Paul or Saul, I'm going to interchange that, so just go ahead and get comfortable with that, get used to that. Saul, Paul, there's, there's not really much difference there. It's just a different way to translate it. It says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul is on this road. He's on this journey. He is not seeking Jesus. All right? He's not looking for Jesus. He's not on this journey to try and find God. He's not on this journey to try and find a relationship with Jesus. He's not doing anything at all to to start a relationship with Jesus. But I want to tell you, I want to make this very clear, that Jesus Christ is seeking him. Come on now, that's good. Come on, he's not seeking Jesus, but Jesus is seeking him. You see, a lot of times we, we get it real confused. And sometimes we tell our testimony, well, I found God, I was on this journey, I was on this path. You weren't looking for God. None of us were. But he found us. He's looking for us. And sometimes he has to stop us in the middle of our tracks. And that's exactly what he does here for this man named Saul. And it's important to say because Saul was not a worshiper of God. He was not seeking God. As a matter of fact, he was an awful human being. A terrorizer of Christians. A terrorizer of the church. And you could argue that if anyone didn't deserve a relationship with God, it was this man named Saul. You could argue that. That if anyone in all of history didn't deserve a relationship with God, it was this man named Saul. But still in the moment, in the heat of the, in the, heat of the battle, when it's really intense, when he's on this journey to find more Christians to kill him, to throw them in prison, to break apart families, to change families forever as he's in the middle of this journey. Jesus Christ intervenes into his life and he says, no, I have different plans for your life. And I want to ask you this morning, have you ever felt like you were too far out of reach? Too far gone. Man, I done did a lot of stuff. I done committed a lot of sins. If anybody's too far gone, it's me. I'm too far past the love of God. I'm too far gone down this road. I've made too many mistakes. I've made too many errors. I've broken too many relationships. I've hurt too many people. I've made too many poor decisions. I'm gone. It's done. Not even God could love me at this point. Have you ever asked that of yourself? Have you ever asked the question, or, or, or maybe you, you said, I, I feel like I've messed it up too much to even be saved. Maybe some of you this morning, it's, it's not necessarily your story. Maybe you don't feel like you've gone down a road that's too far, but maybe you have a family member or a friend or a loved one, and you say, you know what? They're just too far gone. I don't want to give up hope, but I've been praying for them for so long, and they've continued on this path. They've continued on this journey. And you know what? I just, I can't do this anymore. They're too far gone. I'm giving up hope. 
I think if we're honest with ourselves, I, probably each one of us in the room at some point or another, we've said, you know what, I've, I've sinned too many times. I've made that mistake too many times that not even God is going to save me, that I'm too far past grace, that I'm too far past the love of God. Or my, my son or my daughter that I love dearly. You know what? I just wish that they would have the relationship that I have with God. But you know what? They've ran to that same addiction so many times. They've ran to that, that same sin so many times. that It's just too far. Too far gone. And some of us here this morning, maybe you've given up hope. Maybe you've given up hope this morning. And I just want to remind you. That God is in the business of radically changing lives. Come on now, that's good. That God is in the business of radically changing lives. He did it for me. He did it for you. That God wants to change lives. Now that's one of the things that we get to be a part of now as followers of God is we get to tell our stories, but we get to see God do that in the lives of others. And there is no one, not even you, there's not a family member, there's no friend that's too far down a path that can't be reached. There is nobody that's gone too far down the road that God cannot reach out and grab them and bring them back in. Nobody. No one is too far from God's grace. You see, if anyone would be an example of it, it would be Saul. He had done so much to remove himself from God's love and God's grace. He had done so much to, to kind of remove himself. And, and listen, if you could be disqualified from God's grace, I think that, that Saul would be an example of that. If you could be disqualified, so to speak, from a relationship with Jesus, wouldn't Saul be the first one on the list? And I imagine, it says a little bit ago that he's entered through Jerusalem. He's scattering out about families, and it said that as devout men buried this guy named Stephen, and they're wailing over him, and they're, they're gnashing their teeth, and there's, there's a lot of weeping over this guy named Stephen. It says that Saul, he was still going into church after church and house after house, and he was literally bringing men, women, and children out of their homes and out of their churches and throwing them into prison. Some of them, I'm sure, put to death. You see, if you could learn the love of God, Saul would have never earned it. And that's good news to us this morning because I want to let you know that there's nothing that you could do to earn God's love. There's nothing that we have to bring to the table to earn the love of God. And if we're honest with ourselves, this is how God finds each of us. Maybe you weren't pulling people out by the arms. I, Lord, I hope not. Maybe you weren't throwing people into prison. Maybe you weren't throwing them, you know, and, and having them beheaded or different things like that. But that's really how God finds each of us. You see, each and every single one of us, we come to God like rebels. We don't come like good people who just need a little bit of religion. We don't come like good people who just need a little bit of fixing. That ain't really the story. And I know some of y'all, and I know that's the truth. You weren't just, these, you know, good people who needed just a little bit of church in need to church it up a little bit. That ain't our story. We call them like rebels. Rebels against the king. Rebels with a cause, looking at God saying, we don't want to do it your way, we'd rather do it ours. And really the call to follow Jesus is a call to lay down our arms. 
is to surrender to His ways. And everything that we do, we're going against the grain. And other translations, it says that, that as Jesus is talking to Saul, it says, isn't it hard to kick against the goads? Meaning, it is, isn't it just too hard for you to try and plow against this, this type of lifestyle that you're doing? But you see, here's the good news, that there's never been a point in your life when you've done something so good to earn God's love, but there's never a point in time in this life where you would do something to, to unearn God's love. There's never a point in time where you would do something to, to move out of the grace of God, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. And I just want to say that this is the difference between Christianity and every other religion out there. Every religion says, do this, do this, follow these steps, get to this place, and once you get here, then the God that we serve will accept you and bring you into the family. That's what every, if you boil it all down, that's what every single religion in the world says. The religion that Saul was following here, he thought that he was doing a good thing. He thought that he was following the law to an extent that that he exceeded everybody else. That he was doing this, doing this, avoiding the wrong things, doing the right things. And he thought that if he just kept down on this path, that eventually God would be happy with him and God would save him. And it's not exactly what happens, is it? You see, that's the difference between Christianity and every other religion. Christianity says that you have nothing to bring to the table, but God loves you and has grace all on his own. And that's why he went to the cross. Jesus goes to the cross on our behalf, dying the death that we should have died, and we get to live the life that he should have lived, all so that we might have a relationship with God. What did we do? We did absolutely nothing. But we believe in Christ, and this this is the saving grace that we have. Look in verse 6 and 8. These are the words of Jesus. He says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter into the city and you will be told what to do. And it says that the men, they're still looking around. They don't know who in the world is speaking. They don't know what in the world's happened. They just got sent back by this light. And it says that after Jesus says these words, but rise and enter the city, verse 8 says that Saul rose from the ground and he they led him by the hand into Damascus. He did exactly what Christ told him to do. Is there any better response to God? Is there any better response to Jesus? What is our other course of action? Saul found out right here in the moment that if Jesus Christ calls you to the team, there ain't nowhere that you can run, there's nowhere that you can hide. The best thing that you can do is submit. It's to submit to his will He learned the lesson that all of us will eventually have to learn that whenever Jesus comes knocking, whenever Jesus comes calling, that the best and only response that you have is to say, yes, Lord, I will go. I will do as you have said do. Our only response is to submit. You see, I I have, um, again, I I said that every guy likes to be tough, right? And I've never really been a bully for any of my life. I only bullied one person, and that was my Younger brother, middle brother. He's about 23. And I'll just be honest, it's a miracle that he's alive, all right? It's a, I, my mom, literally, she, uh, she finally had to buy all new cake pans and different things like that because sometimes we would just take cake pans and just beat each other upside the head and stuff like that. Too much WWE, spending time with WWE is too much, 
all the couch cushions were just destroyed, and we would wrestle all the time. And I remember I just beat him so many times that it was just kind of this repetition that we have, and we, you know, we were wrestling. I didn't kill him or anything. And one day, out of all the days, he finally caught me. He finally caught me. And we had been watching a little bit of UFC, too. That's a dangerous recipe. Boys who don't even know what they're doing got WWE and UFC at the same time. And we're just wrestling in the living room. Mom and dad are gone, and I'm kind of in charge. I'm supposed to babysit. If you're an older brother in the room, let me just say, don't do this. Every time they would leave, we'd just jump right into some type of wrestling match, UFC match, or whatever it is. And this particular day, we're, we're UFC wrestling, and the brother's in the other room. And, and, and we're, I finally get on top of him, and, you know, I'm not really... I'm not really punching him or anything, but I am kind of slapping him around a little bit. And he had been watching UFC for maybe all of about a, a couple weeks, and he catches me in like this triangle choke with his legs around my neck. And he had little tiny legs, and I just remember him squeezing the life out of me. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in this position or not, but it's not a really good position to be in. And he's squeezing me, and he's squeezing me. I know I'm in some serious trouble. And I can't get out of it to save my life. Like, literally, I, I can't do anything about it. He's got me in there pretty good. But it's my younger brother, right? In this situation, you have about two options. You can either submit and you can tap out, or you can pass out. <laughs> and it's my little brother. So which do you think I'm going to do? I'm not going to submit to my little brother. I'm not going to tap out. I'm not going to do it. And I just remember, this was the scariest thing that's ever happened in my entire life. Mom and dad gone. And I just remember waking up, looking at the ceiling fan. He was freaking out. He was scared to death. He said, here, here, here's some water. His hands are shaking like water is going to do anything to help me, like water is going to bring me back to life and resuscitate. He's scared to death. Just drink the water. Just drink the water. And I just remember waking up like that was the scariest moment of my life. I woke up on the, He had literally choked me to the point where I had passed out. You know what stopped me from, from tapping out the little brother? You know what stopped me? Pride. That's what stopped me. If he was here today and we got in that same situation, you know what? I'd still do it all over again. I would never, ever, absolutely never tap out to him. Because I don't want him holding that over my head. And he never will. But pride stopped me from submitting to, to little brother. You see, before this moment, I'm sure this man named Saul, he's, he's walking around and he's got his chest puffed out. He's like, look at these Christians. Look what I'm doing to them. And I'm, I've got all this power I'm exercising and I'm throwing them into prison. Jesus Christ stops him in his tracks. And he only has one one simple response, and it's, I have to submit. And some of you here this morning, the only thing that's stopping you from submitting to Jesus Christ is your pride. And that pride's getting you into some trouble. That pride is causing you to, in a sense, to, to not want to submit. That pride is causing you to, to just be put to defeat, to defeat, to defeat, to defeat, to defeat. Well, you're saying, I, I, I'm, I, I'm not at the end of my rope yet. I'm not at the end of my rope yet. I, I'm going to keep doing this my way. I'm going to keep doing this my way. I'm going to keep persisting in my way. And it's killing you. It's leading you to a place of death. 
Saul rose from the ground. He enters into the city called Damascus. And you can look at this a little bit later on in your time. But Saul goes in. He, he departs for Damascus with this mindset that he's going to kill Christians. He ends up having to leave Damascus through a basket through the window so that he can keep his own life because he's giving it over to Jesus. And some of you, that's what Jesus wants to do with your story. He wants to radically change your life. He wants to do that. Look with me just a, a little bit at 1 Timothy. Flip over to 1 Timothy. It should be up on the screen if you don't have it. 1 Timothy, this is years later in Paul's life. Saul, also known as Paul, he's, he's writing this letter to a guy named Timothy, and this is what he says to Timothy. This is, he, he's kind of summing up his testimony. He's looking back over his life, and he says, This is how I came to Jesus, starting in verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter, uh, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 12. says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Reading what we just talked about. He's looking over his life. He says, you know what? Jesus Christ, he called me into his service. And he says, though formerly I was a blasphemer, I was a persecutor, and I was an insolent opponent, meaning a, a stubborn fool. He says, I treated Christians like they were idiots. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save who? To save the religious. To save the people who got it all figured out. He came into the world to save the good. It's not what it says, is it? It says because Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. He's saying, I was the worst sinner. But I received mercy, get this, but I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, as the worst sinner of them all, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Paul's saying here, that if Jesus Christ can save me, he can save anybody. And they can see that if Jesus had patience for me, that Jesus has patience for anybody. Is that you this morning? Is Jesus calling you and saying, I've been patient, and I've been patient, and I've been patient. And I just want to use you and change your story, radically change your life to show everybody else how good God is. That's what he wants to do with you. This morning as the band comes to play, I, I want to draw your attention to this, that this man named Saul, he's going to go on and literally the last almost half of the Bible was written by this man named Saul. The last half of all the Bible written by this man named Saul, leader of some of the greatest missionary movements in all of human history. We would not be here today if it were not for this man named Paul. 
I'll say that very confidently. Leader of the greatest movement in all of church history. We would not be here if it weren't for what Jesus Christ did in this man named Paul. But it all starts with coming to a place where Jesus knocks you on your behind. He says, it's time to submit. It's today the day you're going to submit. It's today the day that you're going to lay down those arms. Say, I'm giving in whatever you say. Here's a blank check with my life, whatever you want. Here it is. If you say go, I will go. Whatever you say do, I will do. It's today that day. If you need anybody to pray with this morning, I'll be in the back of the room. And Maybe this morning you've come in with a heavy heart. And maybe you are a follower of Jesus, but come in with something that's on your mind and something that's on your heart, something that's causing you to lose sleep, whatever it is, we're here for you. We exist to, to see lives radically changed in our church, but also in the greater community. That's why we're here. And if you just need anybody to pray with you, I'll be back in the back. But if today you would like to know more about what it means to follow Jesus, I'll be there too. Whatever God's calling you to do this morning, that next step of obedience, just pray that you would take it. And I'll leave you with this. I'll leave you with this. No matter where you are this morning, no matter how you came into this room this morning, with baggage, with scars, with heartache, with turmoil, with whatever it is, he'll take it if you give it to him. He'll take it if you give it to him. He stands ready to change your life. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and just as this song that we're about to sing, just as the words go that broken vessels, we're all broken vessels. Every single one of us broken. Broken to the point of despair, turning to this and that. Trying to find healing in all sorts of places. And you came down in the form of flesh to die on the cross as Jesus Christ to say, I fix brokenness. You see, this man named Saul, he was broken too. He was just turned into religion. And you changed him of that and said, no, 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 it's not about religion. It's about submitting and following the king who's on the throne. You changed his life forever. We just pray that you would do it with us. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. A saved a wretch like Saul, that saved a wretch like me. You were so good to us. God, so we stand and sing.